Hey folks, it's Tim O'Keefe, Coach Tim, once again with another leader in the game, a thought leader. His name is Scott Peters. He has a company called Safe Football. Their theme is Save the Brain, Save the Game. And I'll open up with a couple very strong testimonials. I found tons, and uh, I'm going to pick a couple. I saw one that said they're great technicians when they've gone through Scott's uh, work. Uh, there's lots of competing going on. Uh, another one from Tim Freeman, uh, head coach. He says, safe football clinics should be mandatory for all youth football coaches and players. Scott Peters and his safe football program uniquely delivered high-performance techniques and a dramatically safer experience for our players. Our coaches and players benefited significantly from working with Scott and his team, and the results were clear. 11 wins, zero losses, one league Super Bowl, and most importantly, zero head injuries. Scott Peters, welcome. How are you? Good. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. I, uh, I've been wanting to do this with you for a very, very long time, and uh, you have impressed me. I followed you for, for uh, a few years. I found you, of all places, on a, uh, a video podcast uh, from a very esoteric channel that you don't, usually don't see uh, football stuff on, and there you are talking football, and I'm a kind of esoteric guy. I found that, found that you can go there very easily. Uh, but we're going to talk uh, hard, fat, hard stuff today. We're going to talk football. But first I want to I find out who, who is Scott Peters? I mean, you, you played in the NFL. You played at Arizona State. You, uh, where, where are you originally from? Give your high school some props first. Yeah, I went to Amador Valley High School in Pleasanton, California, uh, just about 45 minutes outside of Oakland or in San Francisco, in the Bay, East Bay, and um, grew, up, grew up there. And uh, went to Arizona State, played, uh, started, you know, played football, graduated uh, from college, and got drafted in the NFL. And uh, played seven years in the NFL as an offensive lineman, played center and guard, and uh, started a mixed martial arts training business before I uh, retired um, called Fight Ready in Scottsdale. Uh, developed uh, the, the new business for that and, and started competing because I was just some football player who didn't know anything about MMA, just wanted to qualify my Myself, so I started competing in, in jiu-jitsu. Became, became, uh, had to become an expert, so I had to really immerse myself in the content, not just jiu-jitsu, but all the martial arts that are kind of, uh, that kind of culminate to create make MMA. So that would be boxing, MMA, or boxing, jiu-jitsu, grappling, wrestling, judo, uh, Muay Thai, things like that. And uh, what I did was in, that, in my findings there, um, besides compete and win, won a couple of world championships in uh, jiu-jitsu submission wrestling, um, but I also uh, started connecting some dots with leverage and uh, things that were always a little mysterious to me um, with when I was a player because there was no information available. Um, so I, I started a curriculum, started training football guys, sold my gym, and, uh, and now I'm here doing safe football. Interesting. Uh, what uh, did you did you play center at a, a state also or? Yeah, I played center. I started. Uh, started. I was a four-year starter. So I started. Played my first year as a guard, and then I played center the, re the remaining years. And uh, was all Pac-10 conference every year, and um, you know, all-American center and uh, team captain and things. But uh, did that for for, for uh, you know. I played. I registered a year. Started the the next four years and uh, had a great experience there. So uh, yeah, and uh, uh, did a lot okay. of. Okay. 
Let me let me ask the uh, the question of the day is did you ever experience anything uh, of brain trauma while you were in high school or in, in in college? Yeah, I did. I mean, you know, it's kind of inevitable when you when you uh, look back on it. And when we were taught to use the face to strike, and that's that's the deal. Is I mean, uh, we were taught to use it. I mean, the, the helmet was in, was our our principal tool for contact. So they, the coaches used to say this this phrase. Uh, hat then hands, hat being your your helmet. So your hat strikes to stun the guy, and then the hands come. <laughs> and so yes, <laughs> you're stunning. The guy. Who, are you, who are you stunning? Yourself or him? Um, but at the end of the day, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Tim. I mean, it was insane when you look back. Now that we now that we kind of you know, and it always was intuitively kind of not a good idea. I remember going, yeah, this doesn't seem right. Bit my head a lot here, and you know when I do. Sometimes I see double vision, not good, you know, and then you tell the trainer, the doctor, like, oh, yeah, no worries, you got dinged or your bell rung or whatever they said, and uh, just go back in there. So you kind of just got to the point where you didn't, you know, you didn't say anything anymore, and, and uh, so absolutely, I had uh, my first concussion in high school. This is crazy, and uh, I'm going to sound really stupid here, but I'm going to tell you what I did. I went out and played mud football, which is not a good, I recommend doing that. That's, that's definitely not safe, and uh, <laughs> following my junior season, I thought, you know, I was, a, I was a big fat kid, you know. I wasn't that fat, but I kind of gave myself a hard time. About 290, I decided to, because I played baseball, so for some part of me thought I could, uh, I was an offensive lineman since day one, let's put it that way. But I decided I was going to go out and play quarterback some this day, you know, which <laughs> was a bad idea. So I throw a pick, and then I think, oh, I'm going to go take, make the tackle and bring this guy down. Well, I went helmet to helmet, although I didn't have a helmet, and uh, it was just head-to-head, and ended up fracturing my sinus cavity on the crown of a guy's head, and it wasn't good. First concussion, and then uh, more to come. <laughs> so, you know, concussions wow. were really just, we didn't call them concussions, you know. Of course, doctors were, uh, you know, they didn't even know what it, they didn't define one. They just said, yeah, you just got a little, uh, it's your bell rung, or whatever the term was. Um, but uh, that's 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 uh, how I kicked off concussions. It's interesting that you say that. Just a side note, I know in the, I, I had a, a, a couple kids in the same game uh, when I was coaching that, I was a little bit shocked when I went and visited them in the hospital. They had their bell rung, so to speak. They get taken to the hospital by their parents. And both doctors at two different hospitals would not give them the diagnosis of concussion. In fact, it, they called it like, oh, it's like a pre-concussion. So it was really, they left a lot of wiggle room. Uh, that's interesting. I've never even heard that before. I don't think that... Uh, they, they might want to... <laughs> right? Doctors. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I swear. Hey, so a pre-concussion is anything that's not a concussion, so everybody, I guess we're pre-concussed right now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get concussed. Uh, but here, here's the thing that, uh, getting back with your story, that, that is very interesting and ties into what your specialty is, is I'm, I'm looking at one of your PDFs you sent me, and I think this is on your website also, uh, there is a, a big perception that most of the concussions hit our quarterbacks, but they're the least, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, the head injuries, there's a term called subconcussive hits, and I don't know if that's what they, the doctors was trying to, were trying to say. Subconcussive is, is a hit to the head that, that kind of uh, where symptoms are, it, it goes below the threshold of symptomatic uh, results. So in other words... If you hit your head, that's what we did in the trenches. Everyone in the, uh, in the, in the tackle box, 
So the tackle box, if you don't, if you're not aware, that that's the mass of bodies on the field. That'd be offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, running backs, tight ends. Uh, and, and there's a study that came out in the American Journal of Sports Medicine back in 2013, confirming what what I know, and as a player knows, uh, most players know this, is that the majority of head impacts that happen are not quarterbacks, they're not receivers, they're not they're not ball carriers. Even though that's what the the focal point is on protecting helmet to helmet collisions and the ball carriers. It's actually the guys that reside in the tackle box, the offensive linemen, defensive linemen, those guys, the average uh, high school lineman in this study over the course of a 15-week season sustained over 1,000 head impacts. In a, in a, I mean, 1,000 head, impa- head impacts. I mean, you're hitting your head every play almost in practice and in games. And so when you hear about these guys, these, these quarterbacks, and I'm not minimizing the, you know, the, the damages and the, the effects there, because a lot of times those hits are, are more dam- damaging individually, but it's the subconcussive uh, blows that, that we're sustaining and, and uh, all the guys are experiencing in the tackle box that is causing uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, which is the, the, the focal point of the movie concussion. And that's really the, that's honestly CTE is the, uh, that's the big threat to the, the potential in, uh, end game for football. That's, that's what everyone's uh, really concerned about. At least a lot the lawyers and the business people are. And the people should be concerned about it because that's something that does not require symptomatic expression. You don't have to have a concussion to to uh, you know to come down with this, which is uh, CTE is a degenerative disease of the brain. It's been found in children, uh, not just NFL veterans. Um, so something to look at. You know, I think that's that's what our our focal point is at, at Safe Foot with Safe Football is that we want to not just uh, prevent concussions because concussions are of a very loose term. We're trying to produce and prevent and uh, eliminate head contact. Period. Nice. Uh, that that I think is the answer. But I read a lot on on uh, social media. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of you know uh, advocacy towards this, but it it doesn't advocate towards the game. It advocates towards protection of ex players, as as certainly or current players, as it certainly should be, but a lot of these advocates are, you know, in the game. They're not, there is no way to play safe football. There is no way to protect uh, the, the, the brain from injury. So yeah. how can we do this? How do you do it? How do you well, teach it? It's like this. I mean, you used to say we couldn't... Uh, there's a lot of things that people think that we couldn't do. We couldn't have. Uh, take a look at some different industries. For instance, mining. The mining industry. That was a. That was extremely dangerous at one point in time. Well, well, the mining industry to continue, they had to evolve. They had to adapt. So they they actually elevated. They didn't just focus on uh, new mining helmets. You know, they because it was it was the protocols, the training, and and it's through training and evolution in that regard. So those those people that are sitting there trying to figure out when the next helmet arrives. And that's that's never going to happen, guys. I mean, the helmets have been proven scientifically; they don't work. They're not going to protect the brain. They're good for one thing: that's protecting catastrophic injuries to the head. Um, and and you want a helmet? Trust me, you need a helmet. But that's not. It's like an airbag in the car. We got to look at it like that. Learn how to drive better, and you know, don't follow up and focus on the airbag because it's damaging. Um, and so, it, just like stick swimming or, or something, there's a million and other examples. Um, you know, you're not going to throw your kid in the pool if, if he doesn't know how to swim. So we have the, and there's the swimming and throwing in a, a person in water that doesn't know how to swim. That's very, it's inherently dangerous. Well, throwing a kid on the field that's not equipped for contact and doesn't been trained and, and developed 
um, and just tell them to get bigger, faster, stronger. Well, that's a, that's obviously a recipe for 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 danger and for a disaster, and it's not going to sustain this game. It's going to end it. Um, so the idea that we we bring about is it's as simple as can be. We don't have to look that far. But this problem is not this crisis, if you will, the concussion crisis is really not um, a result of concussions itself. That's the symptom. It's it's an information problem, Tim. People don't know information. They don't know. So coaches have been focused on one thing and one thing only based on the top-down approach by the NFL. The NFL is an entertainment business first and foremost. Um, players that, that play there are they're the guys that make it. They're, they're, they're among the biggest, fastest, and strongest human beings walking the planet. And they show up and they audition. It's not there to, they're not there to be developed. So if you, la if you last long enough, like if you play long enough, you, you start to adapt on the job. But, you, but there's a learning curve there, and it's a dangerous one at that. And the things that we're being taught there, um, or I'm sorry, what we're being taught at the lower levels, is basically you see kids and, and coaches are emulating what they see there. So they'll see a, a Troy Polamalu come across and just, just explode some, vaporize some guy's helmet on <laughs> contact, and that's how we start uh -huh. seeing tackling. So we're emulating it, and, and we don't know. It, and so, again, if you're not being developed at the NFL level, then where does the development occur? Well, the NCAA, take a look at these guys. They've argued, I think they've caused more problems than good. They're cutting out all the opportunities for practice time. They're trying to do it through the, the guise of, uh, oh, well, we're trying to keep uh, you know, the student athletes uh, away from practice time with coaches. Well, what they're doing is they're endangering people. Because when you get two weeks, they only get two weeks in the offseason, players do, with their position coaches. So that's it, two weeks. And the rest of the time, they're just, the kids are dispatched to the weight room, and it goes back to the player development model that's getting people hurt. Bigger, faster, sometimes fatter and stronger, so when you, when you take that and you, and you uh, couple that with an un, undeveloped or unskilled player, you've got these big and bigger impacts, right? But the kids don't know how to, how to play football. They don't have the techniques behind it. So the, the, the focus is uh, not skill development. It's, it's let's get the biggest meatheads and go recruit more, and then let's put forth the best, the best smartest scheme we can to out-scheme people. And so we need to go back to, to skill development. That's how this wins. That's, that's why I started this concept, because – I, I, I walked into another industry, mixed martial arts, and you know what the best fighters are? They're the smartest and the most skill developed skill-wise. They don't, they don't think about, um, they don't lift weights. They don't go out and eat as much as they can and get explosive. That's stuff that they may do on the side, but the, pro, but the percentage by and large is, is really the focal point is absolutely skill development. Level up your skill. You have a chance to not only be a very effective on the attacks, but you can defend yourself, and, uh, and that's what you see, as opposed to some of these amateur shows you go to an MMA show, and I'm, by the way, I'm a, I was appointed by the governor of Arizona. I'm one of the boxing commissioners here, so this is why I'm talking about it. You, you go to an wow. amateur mixed martial arts or boxing show, guess what? Someone's probably getting rolled out in an ambulance. And, and that's where it happens because of the lack of the, uh, skill. And that's no different in football. We have to focus our efforts and energies back onto skill development. Um, that is the, the skills required to, to be not only effective but also to be safe. And that's, that's what we teach, and we teach the best methodologies and, uh, yeah, you can, you can totally extract your helmet from contact. And, and, by the way, you can be a better player when you do it if you learn how to do it. Our society has to uh, – we're a little bit um, into the instant gratification here. Everybody wants to see how, how uh, they can become the next the great player, but, but they have to develop themselves, and that's our message to everyone. And coaching and all these other guys, uh, the coaching, uh, that's, that's where the true leadership needs to come from, not from Roger Goodell not from the NFL ranks, from the youth football and the high school football. That's the true leadership, and we need to get that back and take it away from uh, bureaucrats and administrators.
I agree. I, I completely agree with that. I think it's an organic movement if, if it's going to survive. Uh, I want to ask you how you have camp. You have all kinds of stuff that you do. You have camps, clinics, uh, different types of. Uh, well, you tell us. How, what, what is it that you're out there doing? Well, we decided. You know, I decided that there was a big disconnect there with coaching. So again, back to that problem originally is there's an information disconnect and. It doesn't mean if the coaches at the NFL level don't know this stuff, then how is a youth football coach going to know it? How, you know, and so, so what we decided to do, what I decided to do is that in a perfect world, we would have everybody in the world trained, but we have to start with the coaches. We have to train the trainers. So we started doing coaches clinics back in 2012, and the first one, uh, first one we did was actually at the University of Washington. Um, we worked there for two years, 2012 and 13. Actually, before I called this safe football, trained the coaches. They said, wow, this is great. And then they, they said, now I want you to help us train our kids. So we trained the kids up there, and they had uh, great results. Um, no concussions in the first time in school, reported school history. Zero concussions for the offensive line and defensive line. That was the, those are the two groups we worked with. And we focused and we integrated all these concepts and drills into the practice, uh, into the uh, off-season uh, weight room uh, protocol. So we, we took out some of the useless warm-up activities that people do, like jumping jacks. I mean, I'm not saying they're doing that, but things that are, are kind of arbitrary that will get you warmed up but they're arbitrary to skill development for football. Yeah. So we, we introduced our concepts into that, and then the kids really, you know, created this second nature habit. And then, wow, the results were actually mind-blowing. I mean, I was really – I couldn't believe it, and they couldn't either. And, but, and they had the most uh, productive offense in school history, and the number – were their defensive line was number two in sacks in the NCAA uh, two, years, two years in a row. And so I decided at that point in time to, uh, to, to sell my gym and uh, started safe football. And, and we went right to school districts thinking, well, we, these guys need this. Um, we need to, not only from a, it, it's a win-win. The coaches win, the kids win, and most importantly, the kids win because that's what I'm doing this for because I was one of those kids. Um, and, and ultimately, uh, the administrators and the, and the liability uh, uh, concern, uh, holders, I guess, if you will, those people win too because, you know, they're, they're over here doing useless arbitrary things, being sold things like, you know, cloth skull caps, and they're, they're investing in these <laughs> things, and they're not helping. And so what I decided to do was to, to train the trainers first, and then we work with kids. So we do, uh, the way we do it now is we work uh, directly with the coaches first. We want to make it their idea. We, we work in partnership with coaches. We've had 100% adoption by all coaches that have ever taken our program, and that's NFL down. We work with a number of NFL staffs, um, and then we work with uh, everyone down to uh, youth football, and it's honestly the same stuff. It's, it's just best mechanical advantages uh, from the body for contact and uh, not just the, the progressions, but the supporting drills that we teach um, are, are really what matters because that's what that's what creates a movement pattern. So when the kids get into the game, uh, you know, everyone goes back into this. When the, when the game of the live competition brings about this fight or flight instinct, I mean, it's uh, it's intense. So we have to make sure with kids. This is uh, something I like to say to them: is that when you develop yourself at certain at a certain rate. Before, when you get into it, if you don't have any training behind you, you get right into the game. Maybe you did a few reps and you learned something in a clinic. Well, that's not going to equip you when you start to get in that fight-or-flight mentality or that, in, that, that intense environment. When you do that, you go back to your default, which is, you know, like you see guys that may train at a, at a gym, but then they go to a bar and they get in a fight, and it's just chaos. I mean, the skilled fighters are the guys who do this as a default response. The skilled football players are the guys that have developed these movement patterns as a default response. So when... Uh, when, the, when the volume goes up, the lyrics don't change, quite literally. You want to see them do this from, you know, the low, low speed all the way up to high speed and do it in a calm manner where 
where that's that's what we have to get to with kids. You can't just take them through a camp. So we, we focus on deeper than that, and it's coaches' education and ongoing training for players. Now, you you do that from youth all the way to the NFL. You, got, you I, I think I saw a video somewhere where you, you you were working with NFL guys, weren't you? Yeah, we work with uh, we work with NFL players, but uh, you know, honestly, I, I got my uh, break with this doing work with NFL coaches. Um, so I started working with with a number of co- coaches around the league. You know, we we did. I was consulting for college pro- football programs, and you know, on the side, I, I like working with players, but I don't work with. Uh, I, I try to focus more on the kids, you know. So when it comes to NFL players, I'm, I was one of them, and I know that uh, there's a lot of a lot of guys out there, and I don't want to say they're bad guys. They're, there's a, they're great guys. But the fact is is that a lot of these guys don't see the value and importance of focus on, focusing on this because they already get their pay, they already get their paycheck. They don't quite understand. Um, you know, they got a lot of people pulling at them. So, I mean, I kind of screen NFL players anymore and say, well, you have to commit to this level of training with me or you're not gonna, I'm not going to train you. And we have a, a number of guys that we want to we work with that are really hungry and, wow, they've, they've really improved their careers. And ultimately, um, but you know, my my focus is working with the kids because that's that's the true nature of uh, the, the well. It's what we need to do to change this. That's like you said. Our, our our slogan is save the brain, save the game. You know, I hate to say we can't do much for, for current players. That we can, but let's let's work on the youth. If this game is to continue, um, the things that are being done right now, quite frankly, are just band aids, and and in some cases, they're detrimental. They're only going to cause more problems. So our focus is really digging in with the youth and the high school football and uh, creating an environment that's actually sustainable, that doesn't compromise the integrity of football, the physicality, and, and all the great things that, that, that go with it that made this America's favorite sport. Um, but you said something earlier, Tim. You said, how do we make football safe? Well, you, you can't make football safe, and, and that's what people are saying. Well, you, you can't make, I don't think you can make uh, golf safe either. You can't make, you can mitigate things. You can teach people things. You can't pre- prevent everything. But then again, to dispatch a, uh, or just to have your son go and play video games or to do something else, I want to get kids in actively in sports. And I think football is such a benefit in that way. It's a team sport. It requires a lot of you. And, and I think that it, it's helped a lot more people than it's hurt, quite frankly. I mean, it, that we have to solve, solve this problem. But that's, that's really why I'm doing it. If I was, you know, I think that head injuries are, you know, I know it's affected people's lives and, and all that, and, and, uh, and it's damaged people. And, and you know, and, and it's happened to most everyone that played at a high level on some level. We're not the same, but that's where it's important that we say, hey, well, what are the upsides and is it worth fighting for? And I agree. I think it is. I think it is. We just have to look at the leadership differently and stop looking to the businesses that run these things. They can't look at the NFL. It's an entertainment business. You know, we all love it. We all love watching the NFL. I love playing there. I have nothing against the NFL other than, hey, they're just an entertainment business, folks. Let's get back to basics and teaching and, and get our kids up to speed and, and, and develop them. I think that's beautiful um, because most of them will never play high college. Most of them will never play the NFL. So what is it, you know, if you can say why does football matter to the mom who's vacillating on soccer or baseball or lacrosse or whatever versus football, at the youth level, at say seventh grade or even high school, um, and that mom and that kid's never going to play college. Let's just say there's no chance. He's he's just not that guy. Why bother? Well, you know, okay. So not to put other sports down because I loved baseball. That was my sport as a kid. 
uh, wrestling, other things. There's, I, you know, I played basketball. My parents had me play a number of different sports. And you find out there's each sport has an MO. You know, you're going to get something out of it. You're going to learn something. And, and uh, I think that the football is the ultimate team sport. The ultimate team sport that requires a lot of you, again, physical sacrifice. Now, I'm not talking about sacrificing your brain anymore. I'm talking about paying a price that's it's hard. It's hard work. And I don't care. Take your helmet out of it. But you use your hands. Use your shoulders. Use your body. But it is a commitment. And it's a dedicated effort. It's, a, it's such a beautiful game because you, it's not just, okay, go out there and one guy can bat against a guy that's another guy. It's, it's a full team effort. And that happens in other sports too. I understand that. But to coordinate the scheme um, and, and coordinate with that with uh, the technique and, and to have a team that's fully, I mean, you could take, uh, it's kind of like alchemy, you know? When you get a, a team and you watch, watch what that team can do, if you, if really, if you look at each, some of the, each moving part of that team who's a player, and if you develop those kids and you see these kids come together, it brings all forms, all walks of life together. I mean, I played in the NFL where I grew, I grew up in those suburbs, the white suburbs in Northern California. And they, you go into a locker room, well, it's clearly diverse. I was one of the, I was a minority in it. But you find, you, you, come, you come to meet people that come from all walks of life for a common goal. You put forth the work. You, you show, it, it truly is, an, is a mirror of life. I mean, you know, you, you can think you're against the odds, but you're never out. You've got to come back. There's a lot to football that, that is, you know, I'm, I'm just touching the surface, but... I think the oh, yeah. people that are listening that played have their own uh, story of that. And so and I, I think that truthfully our, our society has gotten so soft and so like, disconnected from what's important. Well, people think that things are just laid out for them. Well, football, you know, you can go out and get your name in the paper. You can pay for a recruiting service, and you can, uh, you can have the flashiest shoes on the street and everything else. But I'll tell you right now, it takes hard work. It's not an easy game. It's not glamorous. So for anyone that thinks that, that the NFL lifestyle or, or what these guys go through, at the NFL or the college or even at major high school football, at that level, it's not glamorous. Far from it. It's, it's hard work, and, and it's a lonely road to the top because you have to do things that most people just won't do. And so I think that it's helped. I saw a lot of kids I know growing up that played in my high school that never, like you said, didn't have a shot at playing beyond. But I saw what that did for them in their life. They got, they got exposed to uh, amazing things. I mean, things that developed them as men. And I think football is, is an outstanding platform for that. And that's, that's why I want to continue to promote it um, and promote it in a way that's more intelligent. It's an evolution. It's something that we, we feel that the only way to sustain this game is by making it coaches, not just by punishing people or telling them to take a certification course or some useless technique. I'm talking about putting them through and really changing the way we think, not just what we think, how we think. We've got to think differently. How do we evolve? How do we come together and say, hey, let's, Let's, let's coaches, let's make this our change. Let's, let's help our kids get better. Let's get the best information out there. Again, it's, it's not about, uh, let's not fall back and hope that some magical cure is going to happen. Last time I checked, the FDA has not approved a single cure. They're not going to find a cure. They need, we need to find solutions through prevention, and that's through uh, empowerment. And we have to empower kids to take, quite literally take their safety into their own hands. <clears throat> and there's a methodology to that. And that's, that's, the, that's the aim here. And then you see what guys can do with their lives afterwards because they've been through something. They've been hardened through something. But they've also been through uh, the reward systems of it. And so that's, that's what I think football really is. And, uh, and that's why I enjoy being a part of it because, uh, because I went through it myself and I saw the amazing qualities that, that it brought out in me. And, and, of course, the injury thing. But let's not focus on let's, – let's, let's keep our focus on how do we prevent, let's find solutions, and, and let's, let's highlight the, the benefits of it and so we can, we can see this thing go forward in the right way. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. If I may add, uh, I, the way that I've approached 
my own children is, you know, life is, uh, you know, the way they were when they were uh, growing, tr learning how to walk. They crawled, then they kind of stood up against something, and then they started walking, and when they're walking, you, you move stuff so they don't fall down on it. So, you know, I mean, part of part of growing up, I think, is, uh, as you say, you want to get hard, but, but you don't want to get injured. So, right. you know, if we could we could put ourselves through tests that tempt uh, uh, fate with, with mitigating the risk, I, I think we're, we're, we're all going to be better off. But to completely pull all the risks away of life, and like you said, let's just do it virtually on Xbox or whatever, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's silly. Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll let you have the last word, and uh, we're on about the 30, 35-minute mark, so uh, I think we will uh, end it at that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, so thank, I appreciate you having me on. You know, if, if uh, you're listening and you want to learn more, uh, connect with us at uh, savefootball.org. Um, we're on Facebook, too. Uh, Save the Brain, Save the Game, Facebook. Um, yeah, we're, we're really uh, – the key to remember is that the only sustainable solution here is empowerment of players. And, and safety is a byproduct of better technique and better skilled players, and that's what we focus on with Safe Football. And I uh, appreciate your time, and we're looking forward to expanding into all these new markets and uh, really making a difference. That's awesome. Scott, give, give your phone number also. Yeah, the phone number is 480-848-8273. And, uh, yeah, you guys can email me directly if you, if you need anything, uh, scott at safefootball.org. Thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate your time, and I look forward to uh, following your great work that you're doing. The, all the uh, information will be also on the, uh, the podcast pages, you guys. Uh, with that, thank you very much, and we'll see you guys next time.